Hey, how's it going, everybody? And I'm hoping you're having an amazing day today. Welcome back to the Other Way Podcast, best place to tune in to for creators, entrepreneurs, and digital nomads. I'm Nick. And I'm David. Cool. So today we're going to cover the topic on parents. I believe, especially with the pandemic, right? Now everyone's working from home. I hear more and more friends complaining about having pretty petty quarrels uh, with their parents. Number one, maybe because they're not seeing eye to eyes with certain beliefs or habits. And also because I think there's a lot more airtime, right? So increased time where we see our parents and that makes for a lot of disputes. So if you're listening to this and you can relate to some of this, definitely listen out because we are going to share some tips that you could probably try so that you can navigate disputes better. Let's start with maybe some funny quirks, right? Before going to more triggering ones, I'll start with mine. So I have three on my mind. The one is my parents always told me not to sleep with my bed facing the window. Another funny one is my mom constantly always reminds me not to drink cold water. And then number three is also don't cut your nails past midnight. I don't know if David, you can relate to any of this three. Yeah, I, you know, I'm actually just curious. Like, can you elaborate more on the cutting nails past midnight? Like, why is that a bad thing? So cutting nails actually is comes from like a Japanese superstition. They say that cutting nails with a blade at night, right, kind of opens your supernatural gap into your body. So it allows like wandering evil spirits to enter you. So it's very funny, lah. And and this also translates to not cutting your hair at night, right? But typically, I mean, on the cutting nails part, sometimes you know, like in current time, current society, sometimes you're so busy, you don't really have time to, you know, like oh, okay, tonight I can't cut my nails, and then I'm I'm gonna delay it to tomorrow. But when tomorrow comes, you know, more than likely you already wouldn't have time, right? So you will delay cutting your nails for weeks. Uh, oh, it happened crazy. to me once. Yeah. So uh, I just cut anyway. <laughs> yeah, I have pretty much like one to share, right? And this is the thing about like eating certain types of foods. There's a concept called heatiness or hot air. And I think the Cantonese is called eat hay. And I remember growing up, my mom would always say to me, like, don't eat fried foods, don't eat french fries, chips, because it causes your this kind of phenomena called hot air. And it leads to like sore throat, illness, <laughs> body imbalance. And like, well, what is this, right? And it's just kind of that, you know, the old saying that I've always heard from like my parents, my relatives. And yeah, that's kind of like a little quirkism for my parents. Isn't it hay also, if I'm translating it correctly in the English format, it's called inflammation, right? Oh. <laughs> Do you think so? It's, it's yeah. I think the direct translation is hot air, but I didn't know it probably means inflammation. I think that's probably the, the better kind of like the meaning of it, right, into English. But you're right. I, I do think that eating fried foods is quite bad for you, right? But I think in terms of like wrapping it up with this kind of weird, you know, the imbalance of the body, I think it's just nice to know that, yeah, it does cause inflammation because these oils are not healthy for you. And now we know why, right? At least like heart disease so i think that's that scientific underpinning that we know now yeah it's interesting also because always whenever i have this hate thing coming up right so so i will come up with uh maybe uh i breakouts when i was younger or i start to have a bit of cough and everything so they will have their remedy which is the jianghuo, you know which which is a, a certain kind of drink made up of herbs to help you to bring down the heat. So this usually comes in the form of Chinese herbs blended to to create oh, a did. drink. Yeah, yeah, so it's your liang te and everything. Yeah. What, what about drinking cold water? So I think the, the drinking cold water one, I actually went to research. It's a 50-50 for me, right? Because drinking cold water, it my parents typically, they stress not to drink cold water because it's bad for you. And then when I ask further, usually they will come with reasons that are, there's, there's no grounding. They're just like, oh, it's just not good, good for you. You know, you should drink more warm water because cold water is just bad for you. And then I don't really know why, right? So I actually went to research. Apparently, cold water causes like cold stress in your body, which causes like mild in 
indigestion. It's also, there's also cases where cold water is good for you, right? It actually, drinking cold water, especially in the morning, kind of fires up your immune system and actually gets it running for for the day so i think all of it is just really take it in moderation right and and you'll, you'll be fine so not too much of anything else it will be a bad thing yeah i think kind of all of this touches upon this intergenerational differences right the conflicting viewpoints from a different culture and this is what this episode kind of aims to talk about on a higher level is there any other funny ones you like to share on your side i think both of us we come from asian culture right so there's bound to be some weird quirks from our households that we don't really know the explanation but our parents keep maybe projected onto us yeah i think this is actually like this for all cultures right growing up and especially my parents my mom especially likes to nag and she would always say like wear a jacket wear a jacket we're put on warm clothes because if you don't put on warm clothes, you're going to get sick. And obviously, we know that illness is not caused by necessarily cold. It might lower your immune system, maybe, but really, illness is caused by diseases, right? Like viruses, bacteria, infection, like that. But I remember growing up, right? It's just this fear of always not wanting to be cold <laughs> for fear of getting illness. And so I think that, but I, I don't think it's necessarily endemic to being Chinese or Chinese culture. I think all harp on that, right? Just, just always keeping warm for your health. Yeah, that's true. Also, I think, remember the where I said don't sleep with your bed facing the window? I thought that was also pretty interesting. So I actually went to research or so. Apparently, it's a, like a feng shui thing. They say, my parents told me when I was younger, it's like if you sleep with your bed facing the window, your spirit will actually like float out in the night, <laughs> apparently, and then it might get lost and then it might not be able to return home in time for you to wake up, right? So I'm not sure if you heard. It's, it's so funny. Yeah, because my, my my parents were not very like mystics in a way, right? I don't want to call them, I don't know if it's bad for me to say superstitious, but I was never told that. I, I think they're much more like from a practical standpoint, you know, keep your body in balance, don't get sick, look out for your health. And I think that's kind of these, these sayings or these truisms from my parents. I see. <laughs> Well, so I think it's good that some of these quirks are actually quite fascinating. And that that also got me thinking, which is interesting, right? I think our generation typically thinks from the point of science, right? So we like everything that is science-based. And then for their generation, I think there are times when they latch on more to like beliefs. And these beliefs are stories that has uh, passed on from their parents' generation down to them. And they are passing on that on to us. So it's, it's just interesting, like, I think. It's, a, it's really a different generational gap in terms of how we should live our lives. So now I think this will share some of the more fun quirks. Maybe we can get a little bit more into the more triggering ones, a bit more serious. Maybe David, this time you can share first. What else? Maybe some quirks from your parents, you know, that tends to trigger you from your side. I think a lot of it is the... It's not necessarily these like one word, these like one one line zingers, right? It's kind of the mindset where they tend to be very naggy, right? They nag, they they, they nag, especially my mom, uh, if I could be very honest. And sometimes in the way like just treating me like a kid from time to time, even as adult or as a full grown adult, they kind of say these things. And yeah, right, it's like very triggering because I feel like it's not. I think the triggering part is the fact that you feel like you've communicated that this is the way I feel. But it's as if like the, a week later or a month later, what we talk about didn't even enter into their into their mind, right? So it's almost like they're repeating history. And sometimes you have these things that they say these things again and again, and it's been many years and they still say the same things. And I think that can be triggering because in a way it's frustrating because it's almost like you're not being heard, right? You're not being validated. And I think that is what the triggering thing is, right? So something as benign as, as harking me on not eating breakfast. So I tend to do like the... 
16 hour, eight hour fast. So I, I do intermittent fasting from time to time. I think it's a wonderful way to actually maintain your health. And we can maybe do an episode on lifestyle habits that we love or health habits that we love. But I've been doing, I don't, I skip breakfast. Uh, I've never really needed it. I can eat breakfast, but I feel like it's great for me to maintain my weight. Uh, it serves as a cleanse for me. And something I even do like 36 hour fast. I, I don't obviously tell my parents about that, but they always feel like they need to tell me uh, how, to, how to eat. And I, I get that, right? But I feel like I've communicated that again and again. And sometimes it's very frustrating because they don't, they don't seem to um, understand sort of my, my viewpoint. And so because of that, I feel like I could get very combative. And that's sometimes something that I have to kind of do a better job, not like reacting to it in a different way, right? Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast right now, feel free to take a snapshot and share it on Instagram. Tag us at The Other Way Cast. Yeah, the share will help us spread the word about our podcast. And if you haven't followed us yet, please do so, so you'll be notified of future episodes. And now, on with the show. Mm. It's funny that you mentioned the repeating questions bit, right? Because so I can also relate to that. I thought that was very unique just to myself. In the past, especially when I used to come home late, right? Uh, this, this was pre-pandemic where we, I, we actually had to go to an office and I'll come home late at around like 10 or 11. And for her, it, it's actually very late. So she'll ask like, oh, Nick, why, why do you come back so late? So my explanation for that is like, you know, after work, I'll typically do like a breather, decompress, have dinner, and then I'll go, go for gym. And then by the time I come back, it's usually around that time, right? Because we get off at like 6.30. So it's, it's a very typical thing, but every day without fail, coming back, home having her ask the same question when i'm really tired it, it's just kind of like a it bugs me you see yeah, yeah. and i will have the same answer on a daily basis very mind tormenting because one you're maybe navigating a lot of uh, stresses from work but when you're home you know you become this answering inbox machine that's answering the same questions over and over again i just don't know why my reasoning doesn't get through and then the, the yeah. same question gets asked again and again yeah but but then again you know it's probably also like it's coming from, from a place of care right so she's just asking because this is the only thing that she asked you know like yeah like i hope you're not out too late because you need your rest and stuff like that so perfectly understand but yeah it can be a bit triggering at time at stuff yeah, it's interesting that you talk about this point, right? And I actually would like to get to know more about your family because I think a lot of it is the upbringing, like their history, their background. I think about that myself, right? And so even for you, do you know, can you share with us more context about how your mother grew up and why do you think she thinks this way? So pertaining to maybe the care, it's perhaps her mom has always been the naggy sort. So, I mean, it all comes from a place of care. Her mom is one who... If you don't do things a certain way, she she has an idea of how things should be done. If you don't do things a certain way, she will neck in order to try to get you to do things a certain way. So I think that kind of passes down generational to my mom and then uh, she passes that behavior down to us yeah so i mean it's part and parcel right but also maybe sharing another story right another thing that really triggers me is maybe when it comes to the topic of money when i talk to my mom about money or when the topic comes up about money in my household right so my mom is an elder sister of six so inclusive her six other uh, she has five other sisters so they came over to singapore from communist china right they were very poor and they had to kind of save every penny so that uh, all of them could go to school and at the, at the point 
of the time, you know, like your typical dictionary, you know, your textbooks, uh, it don't come easy, right? It's actually also costly to have these things ready for school. So I think for her being the biggest sis, she always has tried to use every means and method to get hold, get get a hold of like textbooks for the rest of her sisters. So this went on from connecting to her seniors, for example, or maybe like uh, going through some odd jobs just to get enough income for the family so that she can get everyone their textbooks right so i think because of this money was so much in the scarcity area it sort of become like a belief that for her money is hard earned and the moment you get money you have to always save it so that you'll be there'll be money for rainier days right and and that's maybe triggering because i have always remembered from the moment i stepped out and started working as a young adult every time if i were to spend money so back in back in the past i used to purchase like clothing you know bags and shoes for uh, whatnots right in in the earlier stages and then the thing is i always only purchase things when there are there's a sale so this typically happens in singapore in june and in december right so when i when I purchase is always in bulk and when it comes in bulk, it seems that I spent a lot of money at one shot. But this, the thing is that it's always applied with a lot of discounts and stuff. So I definitely got it cheap. But this is triggering for her, right? Because it, it is for her, it's like, oh, why are you spending so much money? You know, money is not easy to earn. I would imagine it would be better for you to save this money in, in terms of rainy days and not spend it in such a random manner. right? So that's very triggering because number one, I, I thought, you know, like this is it's my money, like... I earned it with yeah, my yeah. effort. And number two, I think is this is also like exploration stage, right? In this stage, you are spending money so that you can kind of like explore your identity and then kind of maybe carve certain values for yourself. I think all, all in all, it's part of the growing up experience. So I always felt triggered in that way lah. But I think if I could see it from her standpoint, it's it's her past that is kind of like translating it to how she behaves this uh in, in present and and her beliefs that that were cuffed because of her past. Hmm. It's very interesting, and I could share sort of an experience as well. Where we always talk about growing up Asian in a sense that it's it's very well known, right? That it's always the pressure to become a doctor, lawyer, a white collar professional. And I'm kind of trying to understand like, why is that? Like, why does my dad especially, right, have this kind of mindset? And a, a lot of it, like you said, right, it's the background. What does your dad trigger? Does your dad trigger you in certain ways? Because you mentioned your dad. Yeah. I mean, the triggers are different, right? I, I think it's not necessarily a trigger, but it's basically, it's the pressure, right? It's kind of this thing is like, you need to kind of get this job that I desire of you. And a lot of it is just to say, you know, I've, I, you know, right, right now I'm in my thirties, right? So I've, I've done a, I felt like I've done a good job of sort of charting my own path in life and that they've been comfortable with it now, but that's always not been the case, right? It's always a lot of pushing back and a lot of conflict with that. And now they understand, thankfully, that this is kind of my life. But I think, what was triggering was the fact that they again it's like you feel like you have to communicate again and again and again and you feel like you're not being validated and i think that's the frustrating thing that you are saying something but it's as if there's no concept of i'm listening i think that's the basis of what what triggers a lot of things right and especially for my dad i understand now like how he grew up it was tough 
He escaped mainland China when he was young. He lived in Taiwan. He also lived in Bangkok in Thailand for seven years. There was a lot of moving around. You know, he, I don't think he was, I think he was poor when he was very, very young. But I think when he was, as by the time he was a teenager, I think he was actually okay. Maybe like a little above middle class. Because when he lived in Thailand during his formative years, he lived in Thailand from 14 to 21. He actually went to the American school there. So that's a pretty elite school. But I... Got a sense that my dad was actually bullied there a lot. Uh, he doesn't admit it, but I could just, I could kind of get a sense that, you know, it's an elite school, right? My, my dad was nowhere near elite, but I think at the time my grandfather's salary was just good enough to get him to that school. But I think he was probably bullied by the other kids, right? I, I, he would always kind of tell, just say one off things like, oh, yeah, like the, the other kids would say, like, oh, look at you, you don't belong in this school. And I, that hurts, right? Bullying in, at any age, in any generation is traumatic, right? It causes a lot of unresolved issues, right? And then when he was 21, he moved to America. Then he went to school in the state of Georgia, not the country where I am right now. And it's very foreign, right? To go from living in Asia to living in a small town in Georgia, the South. And it's very, very different. Probably the only Asian guy there. And then he had to then help his parents uh, with a coffee shop in San Francisco. And then that's typically you know, the Asian American story, right? Immigrant parents who are working class, they have to work in like the service industry, they have to be in the street. And so what my dad did. And so I think there was a lot of transition. And I think because of that scarcity mindset, right? Fearful of not having money. And I think that translates to sort of the way he raised me, playing it safe. And I think I understand that. I really understand that. And I think a part of me is to have that frame the way I see his advice. It's because of survival and the issues are different for him than it was for me. To me, that is something that I try to do a better job of, right? Understanding the context for what he says things, right? It, like you said, right? Very clearly, it's because it's an act of love. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's, it's the way they know how to protect you so that you don't get to experience the same thing that they have experienced, right? So, I mean, listening to their stories, even for, for stories from my mom, right? It, it definitely looked like it was really rough back in the past, you know, to worry that there might not be food on the table when you get back home and yeah. you need to probably work a few more odd jobs so that you can feed the whole family. Yeah, you and I will never have any idea. I, I've never been in a situation, thankfully, that I never felt that, oh, will I even eat tonight? Will I have a roof over my head? And then that's a product of sort of our upbringing. Like we, we are, we are children of the 80s and 90s and our parents are, are children of like 1950s. And I'm sure Singapore was, was much, obviously much poorer back then. And my parents' circumstances as well, like they were much more, uh, obviously like less unfortunate circumstances than, than they are now, obviously. And the priorities, like you said, are different, right? Their priorities were was financial security and navigating a different society. What do you think our right now our challenges are in our generation? Because oh. I, I believe different generations have different things, right? Yes. Ours is have finding purpose. You know, when, when we're not thinking about, man, do I have enough money to make it so I could eat? Can I even pay the rent next month? And I know it's not to say that people, there's tons of people in our generation who will struggle with that, right? We're not being dismissive of that in any way. But... For example, like I'm very lucky to be a nomad and to, I choose to travel, right? I, I'm not an immigrant. Like I, I choose to travel and see the world and to be in other places, not because I'm required to, because I can. And a lot of it is trying to find fulfillment, right? Doing meaningful work, having an influence, having an impact on people's lives, changing the community. I think that's kind of what we struggle with, right? 
beyond mm. having sort of the lowest pyramid of needs being satisfied, like basic security, basic shelter, food. Mm. What do you do? What do you do with that? What do you do with your time? What kind of field of work do you go into? I think that is what a lot of people of our generation from our backgrounds are trying to answer and are struggling to find the answer. And this is why we have this podcast is to navigate that and to uncover that. I can relate to the purpose bit. I think that's one thing that's increasingly important because I think that's also quite a common narrative, right? Be it the Eastern and Western world these days is about purpose. What are we doing in our lives? Maybe also another thing that I feel that is a challenge for our generation is uh, maybe keeping up with this crazily fast-moving world, right? In the past, everything used to be analog. Everything, you could you could actually pass your day as per normal, like a normal human being. But right now, you know, with the digital age, everything is going through a digitalization, right? Sometimes you can't keep up, you know, your, your mind is opening WhatsApp one moment, then it uh, after that you open telegram you used to open line you know then you go back to slack you know and then you open like multiple apps and yeah. everything and you're actually expected to understand every single app these days you know at work you're going through like all your different tickets you know for example and then at the same time yeah yeah finding we're all kind of turning into like attention deficit <laughs> people disorder people you're right I, knowing how to focus i think is a challenge in our modern society yeah and and there's also a certain expectation, right? For people of our generation, we are kind of expected to understand every form of technology that comes on the table, right? So NFCs were a thing of the past, but right now, if you talk about NFC, we need to know already know how to use it, you know, utilize it for whatever occasions. And the next the next thing just comes up every few months, you know. So I mean, we're we're kind of expected to navigate those technology quickly and then we keep moving with the technology so i think that's maybe one challenge that i feel do you think a part of that is the tangent is also the pressure to stand out possibly as well but i think with the past generation right we were never really expected to know every single thing but now you talk about multi-careers right multi-career tracks uh, being a more generally so that you are highly employable so you need to know a little bit of business at the same time you probably know like coding designing yeah so these days i think it's starting to definitely a more hectic world out there because the world has just become more complex and it is what it is right and so our generation is kind of in position to mirror the world we live in and try to still add value so imagine for a more complex world we will have a more complex life how do we navigate this complex life to add value back to the world i think that would be a challenge yeah absolutely in our own meaningful ways absolutely Also, pertaining to that, I, th- I thought it would be nice also if we also cover a bit more on how we deal with this mini quirks, right, of our parents. Com- coming back to our parents, right? So, not sure, David, like, for, for you, you mentioned that your common quirks is, like, your mom next log, and for, for example, and then for your dad, because of a bit more of the tough life that he used to lead, he definitely projects a lot more demand for you to get through life in a sturdy way without complaining too much. How do you actually deal with it on your side when these things come to you? I think when I was younger, I think we all go through this phase, right? Where we're kind of firecrackers, right? We fight fire with fire. And I realized that that's actually not the most productive way of doing it, right? So as I get older, I try to, in a way, disengage, right? So, you know, they can say opinion and I could listen to it and I could choose the way I could, I'm in control of the way I react to it. So 
I think for me, what has worked for me personally has just been removing myself from the situation, right? So if it's triggering, I need to physically remove myself from the conversation. And so I let him, I let my dad or my mom have their say. And then if they want to hear my opinion, they hear my opinion. But if not, I will end the conversation and I will remove myself from the situation. And I think that's really helped. I also think partially a function of where I am right now in this world, right? Like I don't live with my parents anymore. I've never lived with them since I was, I haven't lived in the house for, since I was 18. I mean, I lived maybe briefly when, you know, when I came back home in July to get the vaccination in San Francisco, I did live with my parents for three weeks and that was challenging at times, but I kind of used that where I set my own space and having my own physical space away from them is very, very good in terms of not having these triggering episodes. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Ryan. I think for me, I have three basic steps that I built for myself whenever navigating these weird quirks that I don't really agree with. Number one is understanding where they are. As in understanding that they're only showing concern for you in a way they know how, right? Like previously said, if you can look at their behaviors and their beliefs from a point of their past, I think it's easier for you to understand why are they saying the things that they're saying. And also, I think it's important to understand that they come from a different generation. So they do not understand or lean into science as much as we do, right? So in terms of that, I think understanding where they come from is uh, number one. Then number two is really allow them to project anyway right i mean it's really the whole thing about allowing this is this might be the hard part if they're saying something that is triggering for you for example they, they are asking you to you'll eat your dinner no matter what at 6 p.m no matter what even though you're really busy they expect you to eat right so it might be triggering for you because you are busy and you believe like eating one hour later is makes no difference at all but for them to actually want to project it on you they have their reasons so i think just allowing them to project it and then number three is the main part right you do it your way you deem right anyway so what i mean by this is to understand you know like no matter what they are gonna say what they want to say they're gonna project their values on you no matter what you have no control over it but what you have control to do what you want to do right so I mean, for me, it's always about like understanding where they're coming from, you know, internalize. Is this really a radical decision? Like, is, is this meaningful for me to partake in terms of this action? But if this action doesn't make sense, for example, like if you're asking me to save, put money in the bank, right? And allow inflation to eat away uh, my money? No, it doesn't make sense. So for me, I, I still deem what is right and what's logical for me to take. And I take the action, right? But for me, my position as their child, I think I have already tried to understand them from their viewpoint. And right now, I, I understand, I listen, I internalize, and then I still act in the way that I feel most logical and that's right for, for your life, right? So I think it's really holding a position. Nobody is pointing a gun at you and expecting you to perform a certain thing, right? Yeah, so I mean, you you definitely still have that control, right? And I have a bonus tip that is to do sublimal educating. <laughs> what, what do I mean by that, right? So if you remember like advertising, they have this thing called sublimal advertising. In the past, when you're actually watching film, for example, they say that they actually have this one second screen of maybe like a McDonald's or fries, for example. And then that gets registered subconsciously in your brain, right? And then after the, the movie or film, you just want to like have fries, you know, have McDonald's. Why is that so? Because I think the brain subconsciously registers anything that you're being shown at. So how do I use this tactic? 
in navigating this skills, right? Is that actually, at least for in the topic of investing versus saving, when talking to my mom, my mom has never really been into the investing because they have this fear of losing money in the stock market. But I think what, what I started to do was to start sharing a lot more articles of like why investing is the way forward if you want to build your money, for example. So I started sharing articles. I started sitting down to talk her through certain plans. I know maybe 1% of whatever I'm doing is registered. But imagine this 1% stacking top of each other day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, right? It actually has an effect on the site, right? So over time, you know, they start to see more relevant news articles that paints investment in a more positive light. I think for me, I also started investing and then I started updating them in a WhatsApp group. My parents, uh, my mom and my dad, they updated them. Okay, these are the stocks that I bought into. You know, this is the 10% increase or 20% increase yeah, over the past quarter. So it's going up. So I actually show them solid numbers of me in action, right? So over time, it's just different ways of how to make them understand and see the concept frequent enough so that eventually they'll be in a place of like, if you were to talk to them, about certain topics, they will be more in place or in position to understand it from your viewpoint because they have seen it themselves. They have experienced it themselves, right? So they say, you know, like one time, maybe it sounds like a lie. Two times, perhaps a coincidence. Three times, maybe there's a chance, you know, multiple times, then it must be true, right? So use this concept and, and test it out, you know, see if it works for you. Yeah. And, you know, for me, just to piggyback off of that, and my relationship with my parents have evolved over the years, right? And they've adapted to my nomad lifestyle. You know, I'm trying to get them to travel more, obviously, which they love. I know, like, during this time, it's quite challenging, right? So I figured instead of they're they're more naggy when I'm at home. And so I said, hey, why don't they just come out and travel and we could travel together? They could visit me. And that's what I'm trying to do, right? So at the end of the year, you know, if things are okay, they get maybe the booster shot that I want them to come visit me in Lisbon because they've always wanted to go to Portugal and I want to show them. It's actually one of my favorite cities in the world. And so that's kind of in a way for me to evolve that relationship. So basically reduce the triggering points. And I think what I want to sort of end with is the main point of empathy, all of this is, right? It's a form of love. And I think we have to be empathetic to the fact that that's what they're trying to do. Fully agree, fully agree. Yeah, I think so to wrap up, I think this is certainly many ways you can look into to manage like disputes with your parents if there's a weird quirk and stuff. We've listed a lot of... Uh, our personal advices so uh, you can try to test it see if, see if it works and definitely let us know if it works out positively for you yes to the point of empathy always remember that your parents love you right your parents are here for you uh, ever since the start of time this is their way of communicating with you even if it triggers you i mean it triggers us but i think it's it's all up to us on how do we process these triggers, right? How, how do we process this information that they're trying to put on us and how do we get up and eventually land in a positive place? And we love our parents. parents. That's what we want to... Yes. That's a key takeaway yes, as well. Yes, we love our parents for sure, right? So what do you do, you know, when you have parents telling you to do something that you don't quite sit with? It's an amazing episode today. I think this is a good place to end. Same thing as if you're on Apple or Spotify, you know, do hit us a follow. And if you've been enjoying this show, feel free to slide into our DMs on Instagram at The Other Way Cast. The, it's spelled T-H-E-O-T-H-E-R-W-A-Y-C-A-S-T. And also tell us if you would like us to hear more of us speaking on a certain topic of your choice.
Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this podcast, please hop on to Apple iTunes and give us a five-star review and rating as this helps us gain more visibility on air, which gives us more opportunities to connect to more listeners like you. Right. That's all for now. Peace out, guys. See you next week. <laughs>